Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Jacked Radio. Today I'm back with the first ever guest on Jacked Radio, and that is my good friend Morgan Richards, who runs Hunt the Good Project. Now obviously the circumstances we find ourselves in now are unprecedented and unsettling and perhaps a little bit anxiety inducing as well. That's certainly how it's been for me at times. So I've caught up with Morgan a few times since this whole thing begun and wanted to bring something a little bit different. So today is less of an interview about Morgan's story and more of a conversation between us about how we're both trying to navigate our way through this because ultimately we're all kind of feeling our way through the dark here right now. So I really hope that us two trying to work out what on earth is going on helps you maybe be a bit more at ease or at least just feel comfortable that there are other people out there who are figuring this out and we don't really have our act together completely because no one really can right now because there's a lot going on and that's okay so without further ado here is episode number six with Morgan Richards as this is the second time in I think less than six weeks the first yeah. episode we did was so popular that yeah. people have already asked to have you back on which is uh, which oh, is really, really so, cool. uh, so welcome back for round two thank you thanks for having me it's my pleasure um obviously this time it's under slightly different circumstances last time we were sharing a cafeteria of coffee in the gym and now we're virtually having coffee um yeah well I've just got water I've just been okay. and I'm very very alert after a proper <laughs> coffee <laughs> both caffeinated anyway yeah ready for this um so I think the the first kind of obvious question to ask is how have you been getting on since we since we entered lockdown I think at the beginning, I lost my part-time job. So just to kind of recap, I have Hunt the Good Project. I'm studying counselling and I work part-time in a cafe just to kind of subsidise those things. And I lost my job uh, mid-March. So I was just kind of in, okay, let's get stuff sorted, make sure you've got enough money, all that kind of stuff. So very much like this is the purpose, crack on. And then after that, I was just like, oh, my God, I've got so much free time to read books, to, you know, colour in, to lie in, all the stuff that I would never usually have time for. Because if I've got open-ended time off, it's normally in the mountains in Italy or Australia or something like that. So I really enjoyed it in the beginning and then kind of had those roller coaster waves dipping down, just feeling like I need, I'm very a very tactile person. Like I just need to smell my friends and give them a big hug. Um, and so that was a bit strange. And then kind of coming back out of that, and I guess currently, um, yesterday and today, just feel a little bit exhausted and a little bit claustrophobic as if I just want to like stretch out or as if like I need to do like a really kick-ass workout or something, just feeling like heavy. Um, so that's that's how it's been for me how about yourself uh it's been very similar to be honest I think you know as as we discussed when we caught up over the phone last it Mm -hmm. it was almost a kind of two weeks of um I guess I'm in a in a slightly different position that our you know the industry that I work in kind of changed overnight and all of a sudden we had um you know all these all these people that we were serving and that we were working with and nowhere to work with them because yeah. obviously the gyms got shut down three days before lockdown happened. Yeah. Um, which was a really strange turn of events. So I was in the lakes when that happened and oh, I'd, uh, it was, we'd only just got there as well. So 
Ouch. We uh, we arrived. Yeah, <laughs> uh, do you know what? It was the perfect way to deal with it, though, because we so we yeah. got there, um, took the dog for a walk. I just cooked dinner. We just sat down with a bottle of wine, and oh. I got a text off one of my friends saying, "I hope you're watching the news." And I was like, "Right, okay, something bad's happened here." Yeah. And um, turned the news on. Didn't really need to read it because then I got an influx of texts being like, "Hope you're okay." Just seen that all the gyms have closed, and I was like, "Right, okay." So this was the news that I was expecting. Um, but I, I'd already had um, the. I think the. Um, I was in a, I'm in a very grateful position that I'm part of a, a thing called Lift the Bar. So Chris, who leads that, had basically been warning us that it was probably going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So we'd already kind of started getting prepared for it. I already had Zoom ready. Um, me and Finn, um, who works at Pioneer as well, had already put together a video library of exercises that you could do with like body weight and a band. So mm-hmm. what's the minimal amount of kit someone could have? So we'd done all the practical stuff to get ready. So mm-hmm. it was actually a really calm night and... Uh, it wasn't really how I expected it to be, but I don't, to be honest, I don't think it really hit me until two or three weeks later when I'd been in work mode for so long, kind of yeah. taking care of business that mm-hmm. I never really took that hat off. And I think as soon as I stepped back from that, I remember having this really like overwhelming feeling of like what on earth has happened while I was <laughs> yeah. on a dog walk. And it's like, I couldn't catch my breath all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of, I I sat down with a dog and just waited for a couple of minutes to kind of like ride it out. And then I think my perspective changed a little bit where I was very much in that try and make as much of this as you can sort of mind frame, like, you know, don't waste the time. And I think it was an unnecessary pressure and it probably took me again a couple of weeks to kind of step back from that and feeling this, like someone, someone termed it on, uh, I think it was Dan Osman. Um, who's one of the guys who does Fitness Unfiltered, the podcast, termed mm-hmm. it toxic positivity, which I really yeah. like. Oh my God, yeah. It was just <laughs> a great term. Yeah, like the kind yeah. of force, like you should be grateful right now, you yeah. should be doing stuff. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall because I just didn't want to some days. And mm-hmm. finally now I'm I'm in a kind of position where I feel like I don't need to do loads of things, um, mm-hmm. but I can just focus on doing the things that like one will take care of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, two keeps helping people the way that I want to help people. And if, if there's a little bit of growth, then that's brilliant. Yeah. But then also just kind of, um, again, like something we'll get onto a little bit later, just trying to like deepen the experience of those rather than go for too many things all at once, just try totally. and focus on the things that are, you know, um, giving me a lot of joy and giving, uh, hopefully giving a lot of value, um, to other people as well right now, rather than just trying to learn French and learn baking and learn how to garden. And <laughs> I'm uh, making on bread like everyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a, um, I think a, a roller coaster is probably the right word, but I think, um, ev- everyone's experiencing that sensation in different ways, which again, mm. I think is something, something that will, come to talk about um on that note we've kind of spoke about coming to terms with the you know the reality of of what's happening what's been your experience of that so far like how have you kind of come to terms with what's what the situation actually is and and you know how have you kind of learned to accept it for what it is or is that kind of something that you're still going through I think for me, um, just with a lot of the work that I've done, I guess, spiritually and with counselling, 
they kind of link into one another. So I like to read books from like Alan de Botton from School of Life, who's very kind of philosophy minded, and then Eckhart Tolle, which is very spiritually minded, and then my own counseling. And a lot of the stuff that I've read, although they're all very different kind of schools of thought, it's all about acceptance. And when there's resistance to acceptance, that's when there's kind of suffering that comes in. And for us, although we have to be at home and, you know, for the most part, it's pretty cushy. When you stop accepting that, or if you don't accept that, you're kind of constantly trying to push the barriers. And when you're doing that, you're not getting anywhere because this is how we have to be in order, you know, for a greater good to protect people around us. We have to be at home. And I think for me, in the beginning, I was a little bit resistant. And obviously, we had this conversation and try, you know, I'd read things that had said, oh, if you take a drive out to the countryside and you walk for longer than it takes you to drive there and back, then that's fine. But then realized that all the car parks were shut. And I was just like, oh my God, we are really, really restricted. And I think had I just stayed at home that day, had continued my usual walk through the day, I would have been fine. And I think instead of trying to find like ways and means to try and get out of this, I guess, lockdown and being at home, it just made it worse. So I think acceptance for me of, of what the situation is, it's just like stay home, you know, not again, not toxic positivity, but it's just like you do have things that you can do. And there'll be a time in about three or four months where I can expect all of the memes are just like, oh man, I wish it was locked down again. I wish I had like a week just to kind of sit in and lie in and all that kind of stuff. So I think for me, it's just been mostly about acceptance of what I can do and kind of using using those goalposts to be like, right, well, this is the structure and this is the stuff I can do within this structure rather than feel that I'm limited and I think for me, that's generally how I work. Uh, sometimes I work at a florist and I just say, Hannah, what is the goalpost? Like, what do you want me to do? And then I can build the creativity in that way. So when I think of it like that and I know how I work, it makes it a bit more easier to kind of come to terms with. I think, that's a, I think that's a really nice way of kind of reframing the situation that it's not mm. it's not necessarily like being boxed in but it's just that the goalposts have changed a little bit and the I guess the parameters of daily life are, are a little bit different right now um and there's, there's two points there which I think are really worth ter- worth talking about um mm. one of which I think is we, you kind of briefly touched on it like looking at our our cir- what you might call a circle of influence or circle of control right now so what what we can directly influence or control in our own lives and Mm. I guess some of that is practical and some of it's also um I guess psychological or or spiritual but um the the other side of it is looking at this grass is always greener kind of uh, kind of mentality where like you said like we might look back in four months' time and there'll be loads of memes saying, I wish we were locked down again because it was nice yeah. watching Netflix and getting paid. Totally, yeah, exactly. I, I think, you know, obviously, like, people are in all sorts of different situations right now, so it's really hard to generalise with this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But how do you think, you know, maybe people could reframe what they're seeing right now and start looking at their, like, I guess, what what is their circle around them and, like, how to see that? Well, I think regardless of if we're in lockdown or not it's often not the subject that is the problem it's how you kind of apply yourself to the problem and so whether it's you know you're thinking oh I can't I can't see my friends I can't you know go to my usual gym I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this again it's just like well what can I do like what 
can I feasibly do that makes me feel better? And I guess hunt the good. Hunt the good sometimes it's not all about positivity. It's about like sometimes you've got to go deep and you know that daily if you're writing a new journal that things are coming up consistently. It's like, well, what can I do in this time? I've always said I never have time to work on myself. You know, I always say I have no time to exercise, but no time to eat well. I don't know how to cook. You've got all this time to do things. And then there's that paradox of like, I've got all this time to do all these things. And then you just get trapped. And so I think any advice I could give would just be like, you know, biting off what you can actually chew and just take it really small steps, but also have some sort of structure and discipline. And I think discipline sometimes is that word that's a little bit, people are just like, oh, I don't want to be disciplined. I want to be free. I want to be free and, and kind of have that freedom to move. But think I don't know if you talked about Yoko Willink before and he just says like structure and discipline equals freedom yeah and I totally believe that I think you just need that kind of structure to help you keep going and something I've found really helpful as well is just doing things like read 10 pages of a book per day 10,000 steps 10 minutes of you know breathing or meditation and just those three things because it covers like body mind and spirit and sometimes I don't feel like doing it but when I've done it, I do feel better. And even if I've just done those three things in the day, it's not about productivity, but it just feels, it, it kind of gets me out of my funk and brings me back to where I'm actually at. Um, so yeah, I think just something like that, just to keep it simple, because again, this is probably going off piece to bit, but we're all experiencing like a collective trauma. It's just like, you can't see all of your friends, you can't touch them. And you get energy from your friends when you kind of see them and you see their faces and even over um, FaceTime and Zoom and all that kind of stuff, for me, I'm a person that really likes to be faces and how they move and smile. And when you kind of with people face to face, you're not really there. And it's just a reminder constantly that you're not with the people that you really care about. And I think that although you don't really, I guess it's not a conscious thought, it's kind of going in. It's just like you're still separate and you can't see these people and Again, the time is not defined when we'll kind of leave these circumstances as well, which is just the more that you think about less control you have, I think the more it just kind of freezes you. So it's just like, like we've said before, that power of, you know, of control that we do have or that circle of influence, focus our attention on there, not focusing your attention on what you can't, that you've got no control over, which is kind of in, you know, similar circumstances in counselling when you've got issues with other people around you, it's just like you do not influence those people. You only influence you and you can only deal with your actions and whatever you do. And then people will react to them however they do. So I think, again, it's just the same, but a very different circumstance. Absolutely. And I think it's it's kind of applying that same idea of what's your circle of influence with hmm. potentially in well, quote unquote normal life or pre-lockdown yeah. uh, with you know with people around you but actually applying that to the situation that we find ourselves in right now and I think one of the things that I do want to talk a little bit more about there is the I think what you mentioned about doing some simple things to kind of take care of like mind body spirit is mm. is uh, really really good it's certainly something I've benefited from so Mm-hmm. Uh, every morning I get to I have the joy of a golden retriever downstairs I get to play with every day um, so. I was hoping he was going to make an appearance <laughs> <laughs> so he um he's always like mega sleepy when I go yes. downstairs so I've got I know I've probably got 30 minutes to do stuff before he wakes up so having a coffee and writing in a journal and reading a book mm-hmm. and then getting to like give him his breakfast and because that's mm-hmm. something I don't I don't get to do normally so 
that's been I guess sort of my time to take care of some of those things and yeah. I think one one thing that did get pointed out to me is it Mas is it Maslow's hierarchy where you go from oh, yes, sort of like mm-hmm. real basic fundamental human needs all totally. the way to like like thriving yeah yeah like that's like optimal human being mm-hmm. you know in every single uh kind of facet of progression at the top mm-hmm. um and I think a lot of people are feeling pressured to be there a lot of the time because there is a lot of messages of you know like you know this is the time to like get ahead this is a time to like progress this is a time to like thrive mm-hmm. where for a lot of people actually that that pressure could almost turn them the opposite way to forgetting about maybe laying some some kind of wide foundations of taking care of the the fundamentals of that like pyramid of needs um mm-hmm. to start with so I don't know about you, but I think it's I think it's really important to define this period on your own terms and and set some own some of Definitely. your own definitions for what what you want to get out of it. I think just what you've said there as well is something I was going to touch on before, which kind of interlinks with toxic positivity and a book that I read recently called Spiritual Materialism, where and again those building blocks and and the, the hierarchy. So at the top there is self actualization. So when like you and your kind of ideal self are aligned in some way. And I think what has happened, especially for maybe our generation and a kind of the upsurge of well-being, is we've got potentially the basic needs and then we've missed the scaffolding and we've just jumped here. And so sometimes like I see this in conversations where people are struggling and they're very grateful and they're very open and seem very enlightened. And then one tiny thing happens and then they just fall and you just see that those kind of basic human needs and understandings about how we communicate with one another are completely missed. They just think, oh, well, and it's almost just like quite egotistical in its nature. And I think that through social media or conversation or where we think we should be at, we're just missing some really key cornerstones. I think they're hard to define sometimes because people attack them in, in different ways or attain them in different ways. And I just feel like that's really, it's really dangerous for people because there's this kind of thought that you should always be happy and killing it and doing well and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think exactly what you've said, just define it on your own terms, like what is good for you. And and then that kind of brings the question into life. You know, if you become seriously ill or you can't produce what you used to produce, does that mean that you have no value? So if you can't produce and kick ass and kill it, do you have no value as a human being? And if that's the case, then it's a pretty bleak place to live. I think that's that's been a really interesting thing that I've I've certainly seen in you know in my work world, because that's also, you know, for a lot of people who work in fitness, it's a it's a personal pursuit. It's a hobby as well. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of other industries work like that as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, even down to people who are like, so, so like excited about like working in accounts, if that's taken away yeah. from you, yeah. and you put such a, um, such a large, I guess, kind of chunk of your headspace into that being who you are, mm-hmm. you know, this could have been a really difficult time if that's just been taken away from you by something that is completely out of your control. And I guess we've, we've gone from feeling like we've talked about in the past that, you know, we're so, we're so kind of, uh, you know, we kind of run the world and yeah. everything's so set in stone. And then all of a sudden yeah. something happens in, 
you know, a tiny part of a big country and the whole world gets locked down. Yeah, just like that. And the, the veil just kind of drops. It's just crazy how much that's changed, like, so suddenly. Yeah. And, you know, did that, I guess, has, has your has your mindset changed at all through this thing from, I guess, from start to, to where we are now? I think it has. I think in the beginning, and it kind of has a fleeting message that this time reminds me to be very present because I guess before this, I was about to go on a Vipassana, which is like 10 days of silence. And I, for myself, I just felt like I needed it. I needed that 10 days of silence. And I also wanted to see where my mind body went when I didn't do anything and and you know because I'm you know similar to you I like to you know make sure that I'm training and learning and just absorbing all of this stuff because I'm just quite a curious person um and so the past I'd heard good things from a few people a friend of mine Louise had done one and then her friend Hazel Finlay is like one of the world's best female free climbers she'd done one and I heard the talk that she'd done on the stage and I just thought, oh, this is something that I'd really enjoy doing. And then that, for me, was taken away, obviously, because of, of lockdown. And so this is kind of not obviously the same, but quite similar. And I think when all of that's removed, my plans have been like, all right, well, this will happen here. And then Luke and I will go away here. And I'll probably go you know, on holiday here. And then it's just all now undefined. And I think, although, yes, it's quite difficult, it puts you in the present moment. You can't really book things in in advance. You can't really see anyone because you can't do anything out of, you know, a, a certain amount of kind of activities. So I think the, not just to kind of focus on the positive as- aspect, but it's made me feel very present. And I think when we do reintegrate to the new normal, I think I will find it difficult. I think I'll find it quite difficult to just be like, oh, then there's, you know, seven people I could meet up with. Then there'll be loads of parties and then there'll be this, that and the other. And then I'll be quite a, sensory overload so I think there is that shift where like I said I, I am enjoying it and then kind of rising and falling but I do think there'll be quite a, a sensory hit when we do reintegrate back into normal life yeah I, I think it's definitely a a time where you know we have a lot of headspace to to think and to I guess dwell on things and mm-hmm. as well as something that I've I've tried to kind of speak with people about and it's mm-hmm. certainly something that I I struggled with you know accepting when I was having a bad day because I'm used to being on um kind of ticking over quite quickly through the day so it's quite hard going from you know this this really fast pace of life and I, I think it has been for me anyway it's been beneficial to have that taken away because it's forced mm-hmm. me to to slow down and I think it does make you really reassess and think about certainly you know coming out of this what are you know this is this whole lifestyle has been distilled down to the very basics and Mm -hmm. I guess what parts of those that people want to keep on the other side of it and maybe seeing it not as a bad thing that life is going to change on the other side of this Mm -hmm. actually we can just really go back to assessing what's what's really fundamentally important to us right now and maybe how that needs to take a bit more centre stage in our lives. Totally. And I, I think, yeah, that like the conversation we had the other day and, and just talking about this seems to be like a clinging to, to something or holding on to something. And whether it's that's identity through your career or whether that's, you know, just wanting that normality back, perhaps now is the time just to let it go and 
although I think purpose is key. I think, you know, my purpose, if I had to define it very vaguely, would just be to help people help themselves. And whether I do that through personal training or counselling or, or whatever that is, I think now is a time, as you said the other day in the phone, phone conversation, a time to go deeper just to say, like, what is your purpose that you share with, with everyone? And I recently read a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the chapters is just like start with the end in mind. So if someone was to come to your funeral, what would they say about you? And if people said that I was kind, I listened, I was compassionate, I was driven, kind of silly, kind of random, kind of messy, then that would be a good job done. And whether you do that through accounting, personal training, cooking, I think you can always share your purpose. And as a friend of mine, she's an amazing yoga teacher, she just said, the things that you enjoy don't make you happy. You put your energy into those things to to kind of bring that fulfillment and that joy. And I think that's another thing as well. So I think if you're feeling lost or you're clinging to what you did have, you are the person that is the driver. You are the seat of, of whatever you want to kind of create. I really like that. It's almost like seeing... I think a lot of the time we look for external catalysts for things to happen, whereas actually really the thing that is the consistent catalyst in everything that we do is ourselves. Totally. And that's the same in counselling as well. A lot of the stuff that I've been learning is, you know, although things have happened to you and thing, you know, some horrific things have happened, you know, all, all different types of trauma, when that is then over, obviously through time and through therapy and all that kind of stuff, then you have a choice. Once you have an awareness of the things that are holding you back, you then have a choice. Then there's like a kind of crossroads that present itself. It's like, well, you can continue down a path that is more suffering or you can make a choice, although it's not an easy choice, not a simple choice, but to be empowered and, and kind of move towards things that will make you feel better and kind of, and again, a bit like Hunt the Good, it's just like looking for that goodness. And even though it comes in some of the darkest places sometimes, but you then have that choice to flip that perspective and I think often people think, oh, you know, it's raining, terrible, miserable. It's just like, no, it's raining. Like it's, you know, feeding the earth. Like it's just a bit of rain. Like, you know, Australia, when they were on fire, I bet they would have like danced the hell out of, you know, a rain dance just so it would rain on their country just to save their wildlife. And I think sometimes people have these, that have, you know, schemas and conditioning that make them think that it's true and it's not. The perspective can be flipped. And, you know, 90% of the things that we worry about don't come true, but we hold on to them and believe that they are truthful. And that's not to say that what is, you know, what is happening now isn't horrific. Um, but something I was going to touch on as well when we talked about the other day is that all the information we're receiving all the time, if we're informed, we're informed to a point, and if we can't do anything about it, if all we can do is stay at home, wash our hands, make sure, you know, we're two meter distance when we go shopping, and that's what we can do, and that's brilliant. But any more information than that, like knowing the death toll, I'm not sure how that helps. I don't know how that helps knowing that, you know, like 26,000 people have died. And if you're doing what you need to do, then I think sometimes you just need to call it and be like, I've done what I've done, I've done my part. And then that's my boundary and, and kind of setting that boundary as well. Yeah, I, I think that um, that information consumption you know, where we get it from, who, what, why, how often and how much is has definitely been a, a thing that's been in the forefront of my mind. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that a lot of, potentially a lot of people don't uh, or, or miss out on the fact is that um, 
this and this isn't talking down to people because I don't understand how to interpret statistics but yeah. speaking with my friends who are their A&E doctors, their intensive care consultants, they're, mm-hmm. you know, in charge of some pretty important stuff. And them reflecting back to me how it's very, very difficult to interpret statistics. And yeah. you get a lot of variances from country to country with how they're interpreted also. So you see mm-hmm. perhaps the, um, although quite morbid, if we were just to focus on the death toll of, of what's mm-hmm. been happening right now, different countries use different points of data to interpret that so in the uk it's as far as i know everything every death that has been also confirmed with covid so it couldn't it doesn't necessarily mean that it was the coronavirus itself it could have been something else whereas other countries are using just confirmed coronavirus deaths where they can identify that it has been the virus itself Mm -hmm. or the complications from the virus itself so if we just look at that then that's not to ignore what's going on but it's just to understand that it's a lot more complex than can be just conveyed to the public through a news channel yeah this is why you know virologists like uh, like an epidemiologists like chris witty like he's mm-hmm. such an incredibly clever man and mm-hmm. you know yet still it's even guys like him and and you know women who are working at the top as well are, are saying that it's not as simple as just going like a plus b equals c like yeah, you can't it's say not, yeah. you're going to be over at this date mm-hmm. and i think that um i guess that the ambiguous kind of nature of all the all the information that's coming in does lead some people to get really you know anxious and confused and frustrated and irritated by what they're hearing and that might lead them you know down a path of overconsumption and you gave a really good analogy of it's like just pouring water on a sponge over and over and over again and some at some point it's just going to run straight through totally yeah just become so saturated with everything that you're consuming that that actually you're just consuming for the sake of it being there and something something i did which i would certainly recommend to anyone else feeling overwhelmed by the news is just stop watching it because whether it's whether it was two or twenty thousand um Mm -hmm. you know on on a death toll number Mm -hmm. the advice has stayed the same all the way through and the likelihood is it will stay the same until it's under control and i think that was a big part of accepting what was going on um do you think there's anywhere else where you know people might need to i guess take a step back and look at look at those things like how they're consuming information and where they're getting it from and and i guess maybe identifying what kind of impact it's having on them yeah because i think just touching on what you said there as well i think what watching the news does it gives that pseudo feeling of control. Like if I'm informed, completely informed, then I know what's going on. And I don't know if it's a generational thing, but my you know, my mum has her updates on her phone. She said, oh, like and we'll, you know, prior to this, we would have been chatting. She said, oh, this has happened in this country. This has happened in this country. This has happened in this country. And I think because we have so much access to the whole world now, we can know about all of the atrocities all of the time. And I'm not kind of promoting being ignorant, but again, it's just that kind of saturation point where how much can you take and then how much does that do to you? So if you're then being affected by things that you have no control over, then does that that ricochet into your life, into your close relationships with the person who you're in lockdown with? Yeah. And extend to the people in your community where 
you are anxious to the point where if someone comes, you know, less than, you know, two meters close to you, you're shouting at them. And I've, and I've seen things like that happen, like people on the street, you know, everyone being very courteous, but I've seen, you know, pointing fingers and people shouting and having to go at people, each other in the supermarket, where it's like, we're all experiencing the same thing. And, and a lot of it hasn't really been, it's been defined, but we all had to kind of change dramatically the way that we shop and the way that we engage with one another so quickly. And there seems to be like this kind of judgment pointing fingers. And I'm a member of, you know, the Chili Road Heating Group. And a lot of that has just been like berating each other. And I think stay informed to a point, but also human beings are going to make mistakes. And it's not as if they're trying to actively be malicious, but we're all going through our problems. And I've seen people pointing fingers about, oh, this person went for two walks or whatever. And, and what if, you know, their mental health is really bad? And they need to just kind of get that extra exercise. So I think take the information that you need. I'm, I'm very similar to yourself, Jack, where I'll watch the news and, and to understand, you know, what I have to do business-wise, what I have to do at the supermarket, when the lockdown will end or, or when it will be reviewed. Um, up to a point where I'm like, well, that is enough. And I think if you don't set the boundary, it's just a bit like setting boundaries with friends or colleagues then that will just bleed into who you are and it will just kind of, it'll just be like an ink in water and it'll really cloud everything up for you. So I guess there's no hard and fast rules, but just maybe it's just kind of that point where you stop and reflect and just go, how is this information helping me? And if journaling is helping, reading a you know a self-help book, if that's your thing, or exercise is just like, is this part of the day helping me? If not, then I think you just kind of have to watch because a lot of information is coming very quickly and if you're not aware then i think it could really damage people's mental health yeah and one page that if you know if anyone is struggling with following updates and you know feeling very negative watching the news or feeling like it's impacting you in in a a way that's not helpful there's a page on instagram called simple politics and uh, I don't know if you follow this. So I've that's what I've been following rather than watching the news, which is a very because it's in writing. It's not a video of someone speaking. It yeah. does. It takes. And this is it's an important thing to be aware of that if you know when people speak, there is there's going to be emotion in their voice. There's going to be facial expressions. So if it's if it's a very hard subject and you find that hard to consume right now, then maybe just seeing it in writing might be an easier thing. And that's certainly been the case for me that. I don't like all the flash of the news. Yeah. I don't like the headlines because in all honesty, I can consume that information, but it makes me feel anxious in that format. Yeah. So just can, just having it in front of me in a very simple, here's a, a, a tile of text. Here's all the key points from the briefing. This is all you need to know today. has been really, really useful. And that it pops up once or twice a day. It's one, one little tile of information and they leave it there. And it's been a really refreshing way to kind of, to get the news and stay updated so you know what's going on but you don't have to consume it from every single channel that's putting it out there because yeah. if we think about the fundamental nature of why information is put out there in the first place mm-hmm. i guess part of consuming it is just remembering where it's come from and perhaps what kind of spin that that either channel or person or company may have put on it and that's not to say people have got an agenda with this um but it is it's important to understand the source of information as well as the information itself i think and i think that's true of anything especially you know in in all realms obviously we used to work together and and stuff with you know pt and fitness 
someone has an agenda in in some way where they're just like well this is the information i have you know we went through a time where goji berry was like the best fruit on the planet and it's just like you know some oranges will, will help you around blueberries the Wait. same you spend like 10 10 pound on goji berries you know so you mean goji berries won't solve all my problems they definitely will not. not <laughs> that's where I've been going wrong the last couple of years. <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's just about being a critical thinker. And I think what the news does, and especially television, when you're watching it, you're just kind of absorbing somebody else's thoughts. And if you're not stopping to question and go, oh, how does this relate to me? How do I digest this for me? And how do I relate this to me as a person? Then it's just kind of washing over you. and. And definitely going back to what you said there about seeing people. When I saw Boris Johnson address us saying, you're not allowed to leave your home now. He didn't say the word lockdown, but I was just like, George Orwell is like turning in his grave. I was like, as if we're being addressed by the prime minister and we've got a letter through the post to stay, stay at home with his signature. And I just think for me, that is very profound and very huge to receive something like that. And all this kind of information and, and the level of control is quite full on. It's like a, a collective trauma we're experiencing. And I think unless you have that level of self-awareness where you're stopping and questioning, you know, the information is coming to you and you're stopping and looking, then it, it could be quite, you know, quite drowning, a bit suffocating just to keep receiving all of that constantly. So I think the point that you made about just having a really succinct you know, key points, this is what's happening, this is what's happening next, and then just leave it there because, like we've said before, there's not much else you can do. And I guess it's it's just checking in, checking in in a way that suits you, um, you know, for your, for your mental health as well as mm-hmm. taking care of your physical health too. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important to probably touch on the fact that this is the first time in our lives anyway and this is interesting because this came from a, con- uh, a conversation I had with my gran. So my gran is my gran's in her mid eighties, and she lived through the Second World War. So she was growing up um, through that time, and this is for, for the majority of the population. This is the first collective, you know, mass disruption to the world that's ever happened, and it, it may well be the only one that happens in our lifetime as well. And you know, I, I hope it is. <laughs> Because it's a, it, and I think this is where we also get a bit of a generational difference where I speak to my gran about it and she's like, well, at least we're not rationing. And I'm like, that oh, all right, look at that, going. gran. Good yeah, on you, gran. Yes. It's just like, what, what have you been up to? Just like her normal stuff bar going for a coffee. And oh. I think that there is a, you know, a very, potentially a very stark difference between that generation and you know generations underneath but simply because we haven't lived through any, anything similar to this and i guess the only thing close to it is either living through a pandemic before or living mm-hmm. through something like a world war where mm-hmm. the whole world does stop and mm-hmm. you know it is a lot of it is similar to wartime measures like the prime minister's never addressed anyone saying stay at home yeah since, since the war we we don't yeah. get letters signed by the prime minister every day <laughs> no, exactly but, it is a very kind of strange and overwhelming time, I think, for for a lot of people. And just taking the time to, you know, realise it's it's okay to be to feel like that is has definitely been really important for me, and I think is important for anyone to do. And I think for you know for a lot of us, it's it's a time to do some self searching and mm-hmm. discovery about what's important 
to us and like look at how things have been distilled down and mm-hmm. you know maybe uh i'm not sure about you know what what your views are on taking trying to take something from that and look at it's almost like drawing an end to a chapter and starting a new one totally rather than kind of going back a step to what just going back to what it was before you know maybe this is it is an opportunity to kind of acknowledge that there has almost been a loss of what was normal life but we get a chance to grow into something new yeah I think yeah the conversation we had the other day about that is a bit of a period of mourning because I don't think it will ever go back to to what it was and just kind of like you've said go a little bit deeper and work out what your purpose is. And I think for me, even starting Hunt the Good Project, I knew that, you know, counselling or or helping people was always something I really wanted to do. But I think in the beginning, in all honesty, there was definitely some ego behind that. I just wanted to show people that I was capable. I knew that I was capable. But then having this time now, it's just like, and I've always tried to be as authentic as possible. Saying trying to be authentic sounds ridiculous, but when you're sharing information and, and kind of helping people, I just thought, well, what is what I'm writing helping other people? Like, is it genuinely helping or is this just to high five me? Because if it's to high five me, then what's the point? And I think I have known that and I have developed and, and matured over the past year. But I just think if you're a person, whatever you do, and it's just like, why are you doing what you're doing? And I think that's a question that everyone can ask themselves in this time. And just going back to what you said about your grand there, I think that generation, I don't know obviously how it was then, but I feel like now for me, there's a sense of community, you know, like clapping for for NHS workers at 8pm. It just, I've connected to my neighbours, like we sat out, they were sat out in their front yard and we were just like having some beers and just in the sun and some people I've never met before. And now I'm just kind of saying hello to. And I think, you know, people are just kind of smiling more often and, we're all experiencing this together. And I think a lot of a lot of stuff prior to this was just kind of like, oh, you know, step on each other to get ahead, or you know, this stranger did this or that did this. And I think we're all experiencing this together and we're all having very similar feelings. And my hope is that there's a bit of a community effort or a, a collective community when we come out of this. And I hope that's something that we can kind of move forward with as well. I definitely think there's there has been a change in what matters for the community as well and it's it's i've certainly noticed around where we live that it's much less about taking care of yourself and just when you bump into each other you bump into each other now it's people kind of like cherish the opportunity to say hi and stop and you know albeit at a distance you stop and talk and Mm -hmm. people make sure everyone's okay and there's you know there's a facebook group around here as well where Mm -hmm. the first thing that happened was loads of people um you know, we, we put up posts saying if, if anyone does need anything from the shops, you know, if you can't get out, just let us know. And it was yeah. something that when I spoke to Julian on the podcast, who's, yeah. he's a, an emergency medicine doctor yeah. and I asked him what, what else could we do to help the NHS? And he was like, to be honest, the, the just the following the standard advice is perfect. That's, yeah. that's what is going to help in the biggest regard. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do something else, mm-hmm. getting involved in your community and helping people who need it will really take the pressure off. And I think totally. it's definitely a it's definitely a positive thing to to come out of this. And like you say, hopefully that's that's something that continues afterwards. And something, something that I did I did want to kind of go into a little bit more because mm-hmm. we've briefly touched on it a few times is this idea of, you know, right now 
certainly I felt it when I started in in this kind of whole experience was we got told we had to stay at home and my initial thoughts were I could do loads and loads and loads of things and it was yeah. like you could learn oh. French you could bake yeah. banana bread which everyone is doing uh, which yeah. is why there's no flour or sugar on the shelves anymore <laughs> yeah. like you know we can learn all these different things we can do all these things that we've not had time for we can do yoga we can do yeah. Pilates we can get fit and you know all those things are fantastic and I think for me it's been rather than going like broader with what I'm doing it's it's been actually focusing on doing less but doing more of doing less if that makes any sense totally makes sense yeah I think for me I've approached it when I first started a bit like Arthur golden retriever (laughs) I want this this, get me in this get me in this and all of a sudden I'm exhausted a friend of mine had Pilates online there was yoga like you said I was like journaling I'll do some Wim Hof breathing I'll order this book I'll do this coloring in baked loads go for a run and I'm just like why am I actually doing all of this stuff because I would say I'm generally just quite an intrinsically motivated person to do something but I feel like I'm just trying to motivate myself more and I feel like I'm kind of running around a hamster wheel until more recently where I've just stopped and just thought well I don't want to do this I don't want to do that it just seems as if it's all been a bit too there's too much to do. There's too much choice. And it's that paradox of choice where you've got too many options. So then you just do nothing because you're overwhelmed. You've overwhelmed yourself with stuff. And I think that's when that structure comes back in. And like you said, with your morning on the morning, and this is something that Tim Ferriss has said, if, if you know him, where it's just like, you know, stick your phone on airplane mode until a certain time because people want your attention or there's information being flooded into your brain. And, you know, after you've slept, you're quite restful. Your mind is rested if you've had a good sleep. And it's like those, you know, those few like half an hour or, or hour of your day sometimes sets the tone for your day. And I think keeping something like that sacred a really short time just to think, well, check in with how you feel. Like, do you feel exhausted today? And, and will a walk and what, making yourself a decent lunch and watching a movie actually be enough today? Or is today the day that you start writing the book you want to chip into? Or is today, you know, you want to finish the, a few chapters or you want to exercise? And I think if you're naturally quite a motivated person, then forcing yourself to do something, because I felt like I was forcing myself to do yoga. I was just like, I really see the benefit like um, physically and mentally from yoga and forcing myself to do it is then missing the point. And then I think if you're not a naturally motivated person, then again, also take very small chunks and just think, oh, maybe why am I not motivated? Is that something that I want to look into? Like, what is my why? What is my purpose? And am I just doing this because everyone's, you know, getting active at home? Everyone's reading, everyone's doing this. And then you just read stuff on HuffPost or you read like loads of different things. Everyone's doing this, that, and the other in lockdown. It's like, oh, but I'm not. Am I different? Am I doing it wrong? And it's like, again, work out what feels good for you. And I think if you can do that in this time when you are alone and you're not distracted by everyone else's influence, then perhaps this is where you can really attain that sense of self like true sense of self and and hold on to that and I think the more that you hold on to that then take that back out into the world when it comes I think the more grounded and solid you feel rather than just kind of like moving all the time with what everyone else is doing and hopefully that that's something that you know hopefully a lot of people can get from this is if you are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of choice that you have you know I, I personally see that on a both a 
I guess a macro and a micro scale where a lot of people that I've spoken to have said they want to, you know, they were planning on like training every day and like they're going to like hit really specific macros and stuff like this. And obviously this is within the context of what I do for my job. Yeah. But that in itself can make people feel overwhelmed, especially at a time when sometimes you're just going to wake up and not feel like, you know, today's the day to be pushing that and i think that there's an important thing to distinguish there that sometimes you're not going to feel motivated and i think waiting for that is in my opinion anyway waiting for motivation is not the way to go because mm-hmm. it's not the thing that is going to push you forward in the long run yeah. and that's when being critical about why you're doing it in the first place if training five times a week is really important to you and doing things really, uh, you know, precisely with your nutrition is really important to you. Then yes, maybe that's something that you've got to do regardless of how you feel. But if you've gone from doing nothing to trying to do everything, then all you get is this feeling of overwhelm. And then you feel like you've let yourself down when you can't live up to your expectations. So I think people getting you know, giving themselves some time to think, you know, I'm, I'm, is what I'm expecting of myself realistic right now? Or am I just setting myself up to, to keep feeding into this loop of like letting myself down because I'm trying to do too much and I'm just getting overwhelmed by it? Totally. And I think that's it, that level of expectation. Because I guess you just think, well, I thought, oh, I've got all this time. I can do this, 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 and this. And then today I'm just like, oh, I don't really feel like that. And then all of a sudden this, air of guilt comes in where it's just like well this is what you said that you would do today and you've barely skimmed the surface and then feeling guilty for not doing stuff it's just like it's not as if you've you know missed your rent or you know it's not as if you've not eaten or whatever it's just like basic extra things that you can do within your day and when you're experiencing like I said this kind of collective trauma Maybe today you're just feeling that, you're just thinking about the world and, and how it's completely changed and how people are losing loved ones or how like, you know, you might not see some of your best friends that live across the world. And sometimes I think there needs to be a bit of time for that where you go like pretty deep and maybe a little bit dark, maybe you get upset because it is quite, it is scary and it is sad. Like if I think about some of my friends that live in Australia, sometimes I wonder, I wonder when I get to see their faces again. And and I think you can't just like book it on oh, 10 a.m. or think about that, you know, existential crisis. Okay, take 10, 15. I will now, you know, do my stretches. I think this time is really, I think it really highlights the need just for that open-ended time, just to think, just to let things flow through and not really attaching judgment to them. But sometimes I'll just like sit in, because I live on Chilly Road, I'll just look down the street and I'll, my mind will just be wandering in different things. And, you know, maybe an hour will pass and I've just been thinking about random thoughts. But then I just think, oh, instead of trying to like fill my time and distract my time, when it's just really it's just like, I just want to think. I just want to explore what this actually feels like. And because our society is quite left brain dominant, it's like, you know, produce, analyze, logic, all, the, all that kind of stuff. There's not a lot of time for feeling. And feeling is not promoted. And I think that's something that I, I really do, especially in workshops with the Good Project and book clubs. It's more about feeling. I don't really want to tell people what to do because I think we're so, we've got so much information. People are like, oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. And she's like, I don't know what you need or you need or you need, whoever's in the workshop, but you come here and we talk 
And maybe you have a realization that then is that shift and then that's your purpose shift. And then maybe that's when the motivation comes and you understand your why and then you want to move forward. And I think if anyone can do not something productive, but something meaningful in this time is just think a bit more about what you really want to be doing and what you really want to be creating rather than having some like fixed expectation that you can tick off. You can't tick off like, you know, what is my purpose? In an instant, it has to be felt and digested before you can kind of then put it into the left brain mentality. And I think it's understanding that not every day, you're not going to feel like you can set the world on fire every day, no matter what you do. And a big thing that, that, you know, I've had to learn how to do is learn to be okay with switching off and, Mm -hmm. you know, learn to feel okay that, you know, if you want to, play playstation for a couple of hours because it's going to help you switch off then rather than do it in a way that's like i feel guilty about playing playstation because i'm not working it's i'm going to fully commit to slaying demons on doom for two hours because it makes me switch (laughs) off from the world and i think but you know being mindful about the the things that you know aren't work that aren't progression in you know finances or or you know fitness or you know getting forward in your work but just getting forward in your yourself and mm-hmm. investing some time into the things that help you recharge mm-hmm. is just as important as the other things that we do to you know to move forwards in our lives and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be seen as like you're taking time away from something because that's mm-hmm. just time that you could have been given to you know relaxing or spending time with your partner or your family if you're around them right now and obviously that's one of the difficulties of of the situation is that sometimes you know I speak to my mum and it, it's it's almost upsetting seeing her on the screen because it's like you know we can't we can't have a cup of tea um yeah. but that you know that time will come soon when mm-hmm. when we can all do that mm-hmm. and i guess to to maybe look towards wrapping things up Mm. it's i never i didn't want this to be a a podcast of answers for people and i don't think it has been which is ideal because around the world for you guys (laughs) (laughs) because you know in reality no one's got that many answers right now we can we can look at what's in our circle of influence and our circle of control and we can spend the time thinking deeper and looking at what's really important to us and what matters to us and focusing on those things and I think for me, that's certainly what's been the most enriching part of this experience, but also alongside understanding that some days you are going to feel shit and that's, mm-hmm. it's okay to not be pushing yourself some days and to just let that happen is, is also fine. You know, you're not doing badly because you're struggling, you're doing just fine. And, you know, not everyone's in the same boat, but we're all on the same, you know, we're all on the same waves and yeah. It's just that people people deal with it differently uh, as individuals, but I guess there's hopefully some common themes that that people might be able to pick up on and just think on a little bit. Um, but the last thing I wanted to to go into was, I guess how how do you plan on, or if if you do plan at all, or if if it's more of a case of you know you'll see what happens when it arrives because I think that's probably the case for most people is when things do start getting relaxed you know how do you think you'll start coming to terms with what is this like new way of living I think depending on how it goes I think for me 
again, how I said before, with boundaries and that kind of flood, I'm a person that when I'm talking to someone, I'm very invested and very like empathetic person. And if I see like three people in a day, I'm exhausted because I'm just like, and then the chat and then this, this, this. And I feel like I'll have to be aware of not overbooking myself in with seeing people because then it reduces the quality and the value that I really want to put in with those people. Um, And something we said before, like sort of earlier in the podcast is when my lifestyle was, it didn't feel fast. It didn't feel like I was doing a lot. But then when I think about it, I was just like, my weeks were so busy and it felt like, you know, before heading into lockdown, it felt like I just was running really fast on a treadmill and someone just removed the treadmill and then I was still kind of like, ah. And so I feel like I need to check myself more regularly about how I'm going to rebuild this new life and just think, well, is is saying yes to this activity or this collaboration in line with who you are? Do you actually, you know, think that this person relates to who you are? Do you think like going out, you know, three nights this weekend is going to be helpful just because you haven't seen these people or can you wait two more weeks and then give this person open-ended time? And I think open-ended time is what has been really valuable here. And, And something we said in the phone conversation the other day, is just like, I've saw this film called You Were Never Really Here. And I think in this time, people are thinking about what's happening next, that they're not actually here. And then when they get there, they'll want to come back here. And it's kind of that grass is always greener. But if you're always moving forward, living in the past or the future, you're never really here. And there's lessons to be learned here that can't be quantified. And there's effort that you can give and value you can give to your relationships that you can't quantify but you know that there's some energetic return where you know you're speaking to your mum or your partner or or whoever you've got access to so I think for me it's just like remembering when my mind spirals out when I think I should be doing other things or I feel guilty just be where you are and in this very moment you know are you being attacked you know is your house imploding it's just like no you were here the sun is shining. I can read a book if I want and, and trying to bring yourself back, like have an anchor back to who you are instead of your mind just spiraling out and just trying to, I guess, bolster that up in a way that whatever changes externally, internally, you feel pretty solid. Well, I, I think that is a fantastic point to end on actually. And I was, I was going to see if I could elaborate on it anymore, but you've, you've kind of summed it up very nicely there, Morgan. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me, Jack. And I just want to say one more thing before uh, we close up, that it's really nice to be on your podcast, Jack, and it's really oh, nice to speak to someone who's genuinely authentic. I think especially in your profession, there's not a lot of people who do what you do with such candor and fun and full heart. So I really appreciate that. And thanks for having me. Thank you very much. And I thought I'd leave my authentically terrible beard in today as well. All right. <laughs> I'm planning on looking like, have you seen Forrest Gump at the end of it when he's finished running across America? Yeah. yeah. So one, one of my friends was like, are you going to look like that at the end? And oh, obviously people listening can't see, but oh, hair, yeah. it goes down yeah, to my shoulder blades. Really so. I'm, uh, I'm getting very close to Forrest Gump or um, in fact for for anyone who knows who Jonathan Van Ness is my mum's now started comparing me to Jonathan Van Ness and I was like mum you've just, <laughs> just finished compliments for me that's it I'll take it I win <laughs> well um, yeah thank you very much for coming on again It's it's been an absolute pleasure as always and I'm I'm certain this won't be the last time that either you're on the podcast or we're doing some sort of project together so fingers crossed there's hopefully more in the future soon
so as usual i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did hopefully you got some value out of listening to the both of us trying to figure out what's going on right now and how we can navigate our way through whatever is happening and just remember it's all right to feel overwhelmed frustrated irritated whatever it might be through this time because it is completely unknown to us and we're all trying to find our way through the dark right now so it's okay to have up and downs and that's i think something that we're all going to deal with first off just to finish with if you haven't listened to the first episode with Morgan, I would really, really recommend going to have a listen to it because it's a great conversation that we had. That's a little bit more like the traditional format. And also go and give Morgan a follow over at Hunt the Good Project. And if you like this and you think someone else can get some value out of it, I'd really appreciate you going to share it with your friends. Give it a like, give it a download, give it a review, all that usual spiel. And I look forward to sharing the next episode with you.